How are we doing today? Man, there's a lot of people here. Oh, God. There's a lot of people here. How are we doing? How are we doing on the fast? Yeah, yeah. Mixed reviews, mixed reviews. Yeah, yeah. Anybody, any, uh, any revelation? God speaking to anybody in the room? Okay, so seven of us. All right, well. Anybody lose some weight on the fast? I lost, I lost a little weight. I'm feeling good about it. You, you, can, you can be seated. I lost a little weight. Um, I wore some black today so I could look extra thin. Um, but that's, yeah, one of the, the good things about fasting. Obviously, outside of hearing from the Lord every single day on large revelations. Um, but, it, it, you know, the fast couldn't, couldn't have came at a better time. Um, you know, not because of weight or because I needed to lose it, uh, according to my daughter. Um, so, <laughs> she, she's, she's something. She's something, right? I, I think the first week of the fast, um, you know, I'm like kind of adjusting to this Daniel fast. And I'm like, you know, this is not so bad. I can really eat as much as I want um, as long as it's on the, on the sheet. And I'm like, it's, it's fine. Like, I can eat fruit. I can eat vegetables. Like, I can do smoothies. Like, this is great. I can have juice. Like, I'm living life, right? And I'm like, man, I'm going to lose weight. It's going to be great. God's going to speak. It, I, like, I really had high hopes, right? So then, so then I, I, you know, I'm getting ready for bed. I'm getting the girls ready for bed. And, you know, I, I think it was changing or something. I take off my shirt, and Isaac goes, whoa, look at that belly. I was like, golly, okay, all right, and that's how we're here. Title of my message today is, Somebody Love Me Enough to Tell Me the Truth. Somebody love me enough to tell me the truth. My daughters are not shy, you know, in particular, Isa, she's, she's you know, we'll come back to her because, you know, she's done quite a few things over the last couple of weeks that I'm very eager to share, um, and yeah, you know, it's it, fatherhood is an interesting road, that's for sure. I'm trying to find my, uh, my verse here, because we're going to get right into the word, because that's what we do here, and so we're going to turn, we're going to go right into John 13. Actually, can we pray? Let's pray. Can we pray? Lord Father, we just thank you, God, for today, Lord. I pray that you just... You be in my words, God, that it may not be about me, Lord, but about you, God. I pray that you take away any nerves, God, and you let me be myself, Lord, and that your spirit, that your Holy Spirit just kind of makes its way through every single one of us, God. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. So we're going to go to John 13, 34. Hey, if you're new or visiting, we are a full gospel church. We believe this thing is anointed, that it is on fire, that it will change your life. Hey, if you don't have a Bible, get a Bible. If you need a Bible, find me in the foyer. I will make sure you get a Bible because that's what changed my life. So verse 34, it says, 
Let me set this up a little bit. You know, they're sitting, it's the Last Supper, they're sitting around, and Jesus is basically prepping them because he's not going to be with them for much longer. He's actually going to be leaving them, and he wants to give them a vivid picture of what he expects the church to be like. And he says in, 30, in verse 34 of chapter 13, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another by by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This couldn't describe or paint a better picture of what the church should be today. Love. And you might be thinking, oh, I came to church and we're going to talk about love. That's pretty basic, isn't it? I wanted something deep. Well, if that's what you wanted, you can come back to the next service because Jake is preaching. <laughs> But for me, we're going to go back to the basics because I think there is fun something fundamentally important about talking about this. Because I don't know that the world knows us for our love. I don't know that if they looked at a Christian that they would say that that Christian is kind, that Christians are kind. I don't know that they would know that. And to be honest, when I took my time away from church, I didn't have the greatest perspective of Christians. I called them judgmental. And I knew them. I called them, now. Nah, they're not real. They lack authenticity. I can't tell them my real problems. How do I get breakthrough if I can't tell the people that are promoting breakthrough the real issues that are going on? It made no sense to me. So if we look at this, and we go back and we just think about everything, reaching the lost, everything that we do. If we just throw it all out the window and we just say, hey, if I can love like God loves, that that would be enough. So much so that they would know me by it. That they would know that I am part of him. That I belong to him. It's pretty simple. It's a pretty simple truth. All over the Bible, he's, you know, in the New Testament in particular, God is always pointing back to love. He's always redirecting the church back to love. And there's something that I think, you know, we, we live in a space or in a day and an age where love has really been misconstrued. Or it's been altered a little bit. Or it's been, it's been, um, it's been changed to fit the narrative that, that, that works with the life that we've built, right? And I'm talking about a love that isn't just like, ah, you look cute today. You know, yeah, I agree with everything that you say. I affirm you because that's not love. I'm, I'm talking about a love that is, that is confronting, a love that wants your best day for you. A love that is something that, hey, I will tell you that you've got something in your teeth because I don't want you walking around with it. That kind of love, although it may be awkward, it may be hard to say. If you're real friends and you got true love, you tell somebody. You tell somebody. You don't let them walk around like that. So I believe today I want to tell somebody. I want to tell somebody about what true love is. 
I want to tell somebody about the truth of it. I want to tell you that sometimes it can be difficult. Sometimes we have to muster up the courage and the faith to be able to confront somebody, to love them properly. It's a, I was talking to Jake last night because we're in this together and, you know, I was, uh, I was like, man, like some of the biggest thoughts I had, not sure if, if I even told him this, but I was like, man, is this too confronting? And what God told me was that if it wasn't for that confrontation, where would you be? It was the very thing that upended everything that I believed and transformed it. It realigned me. So when I bring this today, it comes from a place of love, of experience. It comes from a place of a person that was so broken, that, a, that had a heart that was so tender, that he, was, he became so raw and emotionless, that he became so harsh because he didn't want to be hurt anymore. This is a place that I speak from, and these are things that I still deal with. And I'll share a little bit maybe about my testimony here and there, but the focus isn't me today. The focus is the truth. The focus is the truth. So point number one is the intersection of love and truth. There is an intersection of love and truth that hurt often sits in the middle of. It often sits there because we're hurt people. And there are things that have happened to us that have made us the way we are. And that's okay. I am a product of that very thing. The thing about me is I got fed up with being just a product of that. I got fed up with sitting in the place and lamenting in my sorrow. I got tired of having a pity party for myself. It bared no fruit. It killed my relationships. There was no future in it. Sometimes, sometimes the truth hurts. Sometimes the raw truth hurts and you can't avoid it. But if we're a church that is going to love, then we've got to be about it. If we're a church that is going to own the market on love, if we're a church that is going is to be rich and wealthy in the currency of love, if we are going to be a church that is so loving that we are a magnet to the lost, if we are going to be a church that is full and radiating of love, we've got to be full of truth. We've got to be full of truth. Truth is a scary thing for me, and I think it is for most people, because the idea that there is one truth doesn't give any way for comfortability. It doesn't, get, it doesn't make any space. There is, this is the truth, and if you don't like it, that's too bad. That's what it is. 
Jake told me, he's like, you can't own the truth. You don't own the market on the truth. Because something happened to you, you don't own it. You can't redefine it. You don't own it. It's not yours. I'm telling you, it's not yours. If you didn't know today, the truth is not yours to define. Point number two is, are you, are you too hurt to hear the truth? Are you too hurt to hear the truth? Like I said before, our experiences shape our truths. You ever been hurt by somebody? Anyone? No one? Everybody's been good? Okay. Well, I've been hurt by somebody, right? And, and you know, like, it was n- not an ex-girlfriend, but maybe it was an ex-girlfriend, right? And um, you ever, like, go to a restaurant a lot with somebody? And you're like, man, this restaurant is fire. You're telling everybody about it. You love it. Yo, these tacos, man, man, best carne asada in the city. You're telling everybody about it. But the moment that you break up with that person and they hurt you, I hate that place. (laughs) They got rats. I think they use rat meat. They got a C grade. Did you see that? None of which is true. None of which is true. But it becomes true because we don't want to revisit the hurt. Because you don't want to revisit the memory. Because you don't want to reconcile and actually heal from that. You'd rather throw something good away because it keeps you comfortable. How often do we build these glass houses of altered truths, right? Storing things in them that don't belong to us. Storing things in them that aren't true. How funny is that, right? Like, who do we think we are? (laughs) Right? It's like, it hurts though, right? And and you don't want to hear it sometimes. You don't want to hear it, but it's important to hear it. My daughter, Isa, you know, after I said I had a big belly, um, I get home one day, right? I think it was Monday. I get home. I tell Marlene, hey, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm feeling good, right? So she's like, all right, go ahead. I'm like, I'll be like an hour. I'm going to get a workout in, you know, pump some iron, um, grab some water. So I, I'm like, yeah. So I go upstairs, rummage through my drawers. Find the old gym clothes. <laughs> Haven't been worn in a while. Oh, my God, I still got these things. And I get downstairs. I'm in my room. Actually, I'm in my room, in my room stretching. I'm like, I got I to gotta stretch these hammies. I ain't worked out in a while. I ain't trying to get hurt. I got a pre-Sunday. Uh-uh. I ain't taking no chances. So I'm stretching, you know, like on the floor, laying down, doing all these stretches. I get downstairs, and I get to the bottom of the stairs, and I'm getting my jacket. And I was like, where are you going? I said, baby, I'm going to the gym. She said, daddy, you don't go to the gym. (laughs) There's something wrong with her sometimes. I'm like, I love that you're truthful, baby, but man, can we talk about the delivery? (laughs) Maybe something, daddy, I want you to live a long time. Daddy, like, that's so good, but no. She But there was something about that moment that made me want to go even more. 
There was something about that moment that started something in me where I was like, oh, I need to do this. There is something about the confronting truth that spurs growth. There is something about hearing the hard truth that will get you to your best day. There is something about acknowledging that you're not perfect and you got some work to do. Wouldn't recommend how my child has gone about it, but it worked. It works. I was debating on whether to share this or not, but, you know, I think, let me, let me kind of level with you a little bit. For me, it was very hard to hear many truths. Um, part of my testimony is that, like, you know, I, I never met my real father. My wife often asks me how that affects me. And to be honest, as a kid growing up, I don't know that I thought about it that much. I had a stepfather who was great and provided and did all of the things, right? But there is something that was missing that I could never put, like, words to or, like, I couldn't put my finger on. And that truth hurt. And I think I avoided it. And I still sometimes still avoid it, talking about it, talking to other people about it, like, telling people how I feel about it and, like, telling my wife how I feel, but she's crying, so I'm crying. And it's like, um, it does make me a little emotional because it's like there are so many things that that hindered in my life. Like, I couldn't hear the truth about myself because I had nobody to teach me otherwise. There were so many things that were wrong with me that, looking back, were connected to not having a biological father that would speak into my life, that would teach me the things that I needed to know as a man. There were so many fundamental things wrong about my life that I couldn't, I couldn't face, I didn't want to hear. So I've been there. I know we don't want to hear it. I know that, like, it's hard and... As you know, even as guys, like, we don't want to talk about that, you know? But can, for the men in the room, like, can I tell you how much breakthrough there is in vulnerability? Can I tell you how much breakthrough I've had just by talking to people about things? If you haven't picked it up yet, there's an inferred inference here that. We need to love people, but it needs to be through the lens of truth. And this is confronting for me because there's still things about me that I'm struggling with. But I wonder if these things have tied us up. I wonder if our best days are tied up in the sins that we've stored in our altered truths. I wonder if our best days evade us because the ultra truth has caged us. I wonder if my best day is tied up in a truth that I've defined and not the ones, not the ones that have been defined for me. 
What if my best days are tied up in the lies that I've told myself and the freedom and the truth that is in this book is all I need? What if? There is something about Jesus' nature that loves you but confronts you. He confronts you from a place of love. It's biblical. I want to read from, if we can throw, actually throw it up on the screen. Uh, I think it's, let's, let's start with Mark 2. If we have it. Yeah, Mark 2. It says, one Sabbath, Jesus was coming through the grain fields and his disciples walked along. They began to pick some heads of grain and the Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing this? It is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, have you not read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? We can stop there. It's funny because you got the Pharisees who are supposed to be the scholars of the time, the religious leaders, trying to call out Jesus. And he says, have you not read? Have you not read what David did? Confronting, because the only thing they knew was the law. The only thing they knew was how to follow the Mosaic law. But Jesus said, I know better. I know better. Confronting. I would imagine, though, as a Pharisee, that would have ticked you off. How dare you? I, this guy. This Jewish man telling me, have I read? Have I never read? I've read everything. And you're wrong, Jesus. If you keep going in that, you know, they follow him around for a while, and then they try to plot to kill him. It's very telling of the truth. Are there some truths that are speaking to you, that are watching you? But in the end, they're just plotting to kill you. That in the end, all they have is destruction for you. Are there some things in your life that look good, that say they know what they're talking about, but in reality, they just have destruction for you? Can we go to, I think it's Matthew 23. Matthew 23. I love this one. says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in the people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who you are trying to. He says, you hypocrites. He is so correcting and confronting. It's not because he wants to, but he needs people to know the truth. He needs people to know that you will not be a hindrance to the gates of heaven. You will not be a hindrance. There is a confronting nature of Jesus. In another verse in Matthew, he says, get behind me, Satan, to Peter. If you have that one, actually, can you throw that one up? Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Do we have God's concerns in mind? Or are we more concerned what makes us feel good? Are we more concerned with the things that are comfortable? 
What are we concerned with today, church? There is something confronting and loving all at the same time with what Jesus is doing here. See, I think we've come to value a a lot of interesting things. Superficial friendships that cater to comfort. Superficial friendships that don't speak into the lies of the altered truths. What we've done is we've surrounded ourselves with people that agree with us and called that love. What we've done is that we've altered the truth to fit our narratives. What we've done is we've taken biblical principles and just a little one degree off here, one degree off there, and it fits. It's, it's, it's quite confronting. Point number, two, point number three is the truth hurts. The truth hurts. I know. My daughter told me, and it hurt. But Jesus told me also. He told me so many times. It's easy to find yourself in that place. You know, the thing is about the truth is that once you start to shift it, you identify with it. You start to identify with the truth that you've created. Many of you know that, you know, I've got three daughters and my, my little Indy, my, my middle girl, right? Early on, had some problems. She had some seizures. Actually, started even before that. She had to get surgery in her little stomach. Then she, she had some seizures. And all in the first, I don't know, few months of life. And A.V., the youngest one, <laughs> you know, as she's all healthy, praise God. But, like, there was, there was a moment when she was delivered, and they, she, there's, like, these sacral, sacral dimples, right? And they're, like, by the butt, right? And it's, like, this little, little dimple, and, you know, they said, you know, we think it's nothing, but go get it checked out. Go get it checked out. And we, you know, as parents, we start doing research and they find out it's like, oh, it could be this, it could be spinal this and this, spina diffida, all these different names. And I started to partner with this truth that God, why have you left me? Why have you why are you doing this to my kids? My kids don't deserve this. I started to give space to the enemy to creep into my heart and make me bitter and make me wonder if God was actually working in my life. God, do you love me enough? Because if you did, you would protect my children. That hit me so deeply. I hate talking about it because I let him get to me. I let him get to me. I let the devil get to me. Both children, Indy, She's off her medication. She's doing totally fine. AV. Beautiful little girl with so much spunk already. But I let it seep. I let it creep in. I let it start to define me. I started to identify with 
God, you don't love me. God, you've abandoned me. I started to identify that, God, are you real? I started to identify and store things in my glass house that didn't belong there. I started to live my life just a little bit differently because I couldn't trust God. It was a hard, it was a hard time. We often just go through things alone and, and just store them and build them and let them become life. We let them like direct us. We let them become God. We let them be the thing that guides us forward and and, and the thing that creates our future. Created barriers here between me and Marlene. Created barriers here between me and God. Not even knowing, not even knowing. Started lacking in prayer, not reading my word, not even knowing. Went by daily, day to day, just I'm going to go to work, I'm going to do my work, I'm going to go home and do what I got to do. I'm chilling. I'm chilling, I'm going to play some PS5, I'm going to relax. But let alone, I didn't, I didn't think that it was doing anything. But what it did is that it started to creep in. It started to create a chasm between my relationship with God. It started to create this gap that it, it just seemed like, God, you were getting farther and farther away, that everything made me annoyed, that everything made me bitter, that I didn't want to come on a Sunday, that I would just, I was mouthing off to my kids. It turned me into a different person. These are the kind of things that we store. These are the kind of effects that they have. I think we take biblical truth, we make them more comfortable. We make them more comfortable. We store these things, right, in our house that make it make sense for us. Right? We read Malachi 3.10 all the time, right? It says, bring all the tithes and offerings into the storehouse. But what we store is when I have enough to be generous, I'll be generous. That's what we put in the house. Cha-chink. Right? In Acts 2.42, it says that the church gathered daily. They gathered daily. But what we store is, I'll make it when I can. I'll make it when it's convenient. I'll make it when there's parking. I'll make it when the weather's nice. I miss my favorite service, so I'm a, I'll come back next week. That's what we, that's what we, we start storing. The Bible says to abstain from sex, but hey, I got to try before I buy, right? I've lived that. That's the thing that we store. The Bible says that the believers, that they would come together and that they had all things in common. They had all things in common. But what we store, what we store is no new friends. Because you're not enough like me for me to like you. These are the hard truths. I know it's a little quiet. But this was convicting to me. I was like, God, do I make time? And let me tell you, y'all from row, you ain't exempt either. I'm not exempt. How many times have I stored things like the Bible says make disciples of all men, but I got this person, ah, oh, that's just the way they are. 
Ah, that's just the way they are. Leave them over there. How many times have I restored? God, I guess the building is not for us, so we'll just get by here. Full of faith, right? I sound like I'm full of faith. These are the kind of truths that build in us and create alternate realities. But can I tell you that love covers a multitude of things? Can I tell you that love will cover so many things? And that if we can love correctly as a church, that is dangerous. That if we can love correctly, if we can listen to John 13, 34, and we can love like Jesus loved us, that is dangerous. That is so, so dangerous. I'm going to tell you why that's dangerous. Because there's a, you know, there's a lot going on in the world. And I can't do everything. I can't do anything about it for the most part. But there is one thing that, that I can do and that we can do is that we can love better, that we can learn how to love our people better. Forget anybody else right now. If you can love the people in your row better, if you can love the people in your church better, how much fruit would that bring? Dangerous, dangerous. If we could carry each other's burdens, right? If we could be there for each other, right? Like it says in Galatians. If we could carry each other's burdens, right? The, the, the main reason for gathering for the early church was because they, they, they were meeting each other's needs. Hey, you need something? Let me get that for you. Hey, you need some food? Let me get that for you. Hey, you need some prayer? Let me get that for you. Hey, you need something? I got you. Come here. That's what we need to be. Is the church willing to meet the needs of people through truth, through compassion, through love? That's the gospel. That's what he said. And I'm going to close with this. In that verse, um, I just want to highlight something else. Because he, he gives them a new commandment. On his way out, he gives them a new commandment, and this is what it is. He already gave them a love commandment, by the way, right? But you look at this one, he says, love as I have loved you. That way, when you're having a bad day, when things aren't going your way, you're a little angry, the kids have ticked you off. When somebody hits your car, when you got a parking ticket, when you've got a, something, when work isn't going how you wanted, when your girlfriend broke up with you, when church just isn't convenient, he wants to remind us that it's not love based on how you feel, it's love based on how he treated us. So if we can do that better, it'll cover a multitude of sin. I feel like our world is so void of this. It's so void of real love. As a church, we have the ability to walk out of this room today wealthy in the currency of love. Listen, I am so convinced that this group of people here, that this church on the corner of Division and Western, that if we were to be so committed to this, 
that when the time comes, people may not know our names, they may not know our church, they may not know our following, they may not know our brand, but I'll tell you one thing that they will know, they will know Jesus, and they will know Jesus by the love that radiates from our mouths, from our souls, from how we act. That's how they will know Jesus. Can I tell you that God is desperate to use available people. He is desperate to use people with their hands up. He is desperate to use people. Don't be afraid. He wants to use you. It doesn't matter if you feel like you're equipped. He's the ultimate equipper. Hey, and if you're full of passion for people, he will magnify your voice. He will give you ground that you didn't ask for. He will elevate you. He will give you a hand. That's all I came here to tell you. And I'm okay with that. Hey, and if you're in a place where like, oh, I need to get a little better first. I need to do a little bit of that, a little bit. Hey, listen, nothing is going to get you in the place that Jesus can use you. That's why God sent Jesus so that he could lift you up to be usable. So don't be afraid to get around some people. Don't be afraid to join a group. Don't be afraid to open up and tell people about what you're going through. Don't be afraid to walk into one of our events because you don't know anybody. Because I promise those things yield more fruit than Netflix ever can. I love you guys. I honestly love you guys. And I'm so honored to share today because honestly, if, if it wasn't for my pastor speaking truth into my life, hard truths, confronting truths, telling me where I was going wrong, telling me where I needed to be kind of course corrected. There would be no me today. By the grace of God, he used them to get to me. And that's what, this today, what today is about, the testimony that God will use anybody as long as you're willing. Will you hear him? I want to appeal to three people in the room. Three groups of people in the room. The new person, the one that knows, has known God before. And then the third group is, you might be saved already, but you got some things in you that you need to realign to the truth of God. So as we stand, all three of you, there is an aspect of this that I didn't preach about today, and it's truth applied. The thing about this is that when we apply the truths that live in this word, there are many things that we get breakthrough from. And I mentioned many things, right? Confronting. But also believe that that depression that you deal with that that anxiety that you deal with, this word and our God, he wants to confront that. He wants to free you from that. He wants to give you life. He wants to give you purpose. He wants to give you a vision. He wants to take the dark cloud over you. There is life and there is hope in the truth. There is life, there is hope and love. 
And if you, you're part of that third group that, um, you know, have partnered with some things, can I encourage you to get in front of some people? Can I get, encourage you to get in front of some people that are going to speak some life into you? They're going to be your friend and tell you that they love you, but you know, fix a few things. Not just that, but they're going to walk it out with you, that they're going to stand right by you as you walk this journey, that you're not going to do it alone. There is a hope in Christ. There is a hope in love. There is a hope in truth. And that's what I offer today. So with every eye closed and head bowed, if that spoke to you in any way, if you're part of any of those categories, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to put you down to the front. I just want to know who I'm praying for. I think today is a line in the sand for truth. I think today is the day that it can start saying, hey, devil, you lied to me enough. There's too many lies that I have have defined as truths in my life. Today, devil, you have no more space. And hey, God, I'm available for your use. I'm available for deep work. God, I'm available for healing. God, I'm available for breakthrough. God, I'm available for you to do what you wanted me to do. If that's you today, on the count of three, from the left to the right, front to the back, why don't you raise your hand for me? One, two, three. I see that hand, I see that hand. See those hands back there, I see that hand. I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. I see that hand, I see the hand in the back. Anyone, I see that hand in the back. Any other hands? I see that hand right here in the middle. Anyone else, I see that hand. I see that hand, I see that hand. Come on, come on, why don't we give it up for God? Come on. Can I just tell you, you made the best decision that you could ever make. Today is a moment that defines a change in your life and gives license to God to start doing some things. So I believe that you're going to see some things happen in the next couple of days that you never thought would happen. I believe you're going to see some breakthrough. I believe you're going you're gonna to hear God speak. And you're like, what's that noise? <laughs> is that you, God? I believe that some miraculous things are going to happen. I'm excited for every single one of you. Hey. Why don't we say a prayer? Is that cool? All right, we're going to say a prayer because it's important that we acknowledge him before man so that he can acknowledge us before the Father. Amen? All right, people, church, all together, repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you because you have made a way. Because you have defined truth. I thank you today, God, because you... Sorry. I thank you today, God, because you are my Savior. I invite you in as my Lord and Savior. I thank you because everything you're going to do. I thank you because I have a promise and a hope with you. I pray all these things in your name. Amen. Come on, why don't we get up one more time?